and welcome back to i guess fans of brothers season 1.5 um joining me i'm just so you know keeping the same people i have rachel and tess and we're gonna dive right into this one um so the thing that i want to touch on today in this one is the concept and the very touchy subject of hero worship that is present in this show. And what I mean by that is the show presenting the every part of it, of what they did, not as infallible, but as sort of uncritiquable. And as a preface, I just want to say it's an incredible show. It is an incredible feat of media, especially at the time of when it was produced. It combines so many amazing things and it tells a really amazing story, but is also telling a story from basically the first person and there is quite a bit of personal bias in it that I think is, I guess, not as visible because you're, we're telling the story of these men through the men's eyes. And it's based on the book that Stephen Ambrose wrote and he had first person accounts. So, you know, it's treading lightly to not step on their toes and to be true to what they said but what they said is colored by their own personal biases and experiences and I think that creates a tone of these men were all um larger than life all you know superhuman when really they were just men and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind and that's where we can kind of jump off from. Um, so you you're 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 getting these interviews, these pre-interviews at the beginning of each show that sort of tell you that we're getting a window into the war, and we're seeing these we're seeing this war through their experiences, and we're being sort of led into it with the men as they are now aged and they're sort of giving little pieces of it. Um, and it leads you to think that we're not getting any creative embellishment. We're not getting any um, personal input onto it. Um, you think you're just basically getting a living document of history with different people saying exact words. I feel like it's what you're meant to think, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I love the inclusion of those at the beginning of each episode because I think that it is a sort of a grounding force to be reminded that what we are about to see is based on real events. Uh, these were real men. They really lived. They really died. It's, you know, integral to the experience of watching the show to remember that. And then it it does have a hand in making some of the things that were maybe a little bit more embellished for the show, a little bit more confusing when you realize that they were embellishments. Because you, you said it yourself. It's like, we're, 
you, the key word there is based. This is based on um, the real war. It's based on the real company. But being as it was written as a show for HBO, it had to be um, built upon. It's not like, mm-hmm. it's not fantasy. It's not high fantasy. Like, I'm not trying to apply that, like, it's fake. No. It happened. I'm not trying to deny it. But I think there is quite a fair bit of fictional uh, input. Well, like, we look at an episode like The Patrol, which is my favorite episode. Um, a lot of the stuff that happens in that episode was either, you know, kind of built upon in a writer's room. Uh, some of the guys that go on the patrol in the show were not actually historically on that patrol. The episode is about a character that I think joined up at the ass end of Hagenau. He wasn't there for the entire time. Um, so when we look at it like that, clearly there were things that were being added simply because it's a television show. You have to create an interesting narrative every single episode, and that comes with you know, taking things that were just implied in interviews and building scenes around them, uh, taking characteristics of each men from, you know, just something that another guy mentioned offhand in an interview. And for the most part, they do very well with that, but to act like it isn't there. I think who, uh, someone said it in like the first cast podcast they did back in 2020, where um, a lot of times not every single person made it and became a name character. So you do sort of get like an amalgamation of traits thrown onto you. Well, to be. yeah, it, it's interesting because like with the inclusion of the interviews at the start, it, it is what leads you into thinking, right, this is true. What we're seeing is historical fact when it essentially what it is is like almost a nostalgic look mm-hmm. back onto it it's it's not a documentary it is a tv show it's supposed to be entertaining the formula of a tv show of tv episodes needs to be in there you know lot like like you said like there were multiple real life men whose characteristics and actions and things they did were just confined into one character they were blended together mm-hmm. because as a tv show you can't have i mean band of brothers yeah. has loads and loads of characters loads of them but you know, you can't have too many characters that the that the viewer can't keep up with them. And so you've got to take your original cast of characters that you want to include, the details that you want, the events that happened, and whether or not that person was on that patrol or not, they're in the cast. And mm-hmm. if another person that we haven't met or didn't really come into the book or anything was on it, it's like, well, why don't we just replace them with that one? because then there's someone that the audience recognizes and it, you know, so that's how it gets mixed in. Well, it's not completely historically accurate because it's, they're doing things for convenience sake. And like, like the way they put relationships together of men that according to the book, never even interacted, but they're there Mm -hmm. for narrative purposes. And so I think that's something that you've got to keep in mind. Like, you know, they actually weren't best friends in real life Mm -hmm. and people who actually were best friends in real life for some reason, didn't actually get shown on TV. Like, like Babe and Garnier actually were like lifelong friends, but mm. you barely ever see them really interacting more than a, you know, casual friendship way. And yet you get people put together like Liebgott and Webster, who, according to the book, 
never even in, never interacted or had any meaningful interaction like they do on the show. They're just paired together mm-hmm. because their characters complement each other in a way that the narrative thinks is interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The again, the line between we created the show to entertain and we created the show to inform. There is a line between them, and it oscillates between them in sometimes curious ways. Yeah, it's like the experiences, they are real. They're the experiences of real men. But the events, you know, don't go reciting these as actual <laughs> historical, the things that happened in them. Like, you know, they're just, this is, we weren't there. We only know through what people have said about it. So this is our recreation of what we think happened and also what we think is entertaining to watch for the for the viewer. And, and it's also you, and, and, I, and, I, and I threw this in, and you have, from the books um read from the books retelling of events into like the multiple documentaries that were made that were included in the beginning um people's personal biases about each other and about events are coloring this so you're like you're gonna have someone like you know i think sobel is a sobel is a topic that's beaten to death and they hated them because they had their own personal feelings on them so we are led to as the viewer feel their feelings and not really view the character from an objective manner we're meant to sort of take that subjectivity and and apply it to him same thing with dyke like they didn't necessarily like dyke even though um, Peter O'Meara was like he wasn't a bad guy like if you do your mm-hmm. own research on him um, they just had a bad experience with him so your coloration of him and your characterization is going to be not necessarily positive. No I suppose it's it depends how you are meant to be watching the show if we're experiencing mm-hmm. it through their eyes then yeah we're gonna see what they saw and how they thought he was incompetent or cowardly or whatever and then we're not going to like them because they didn't like them and they're presenting them how that they presented them whereas if it was supposed to be an accurate portrayal of man and the flaws of man in war then maybe you would have got a fully fleshed out character that we see behind the scenes as you know thinking different things or whatever but instead you see it through the eyes of the men and what Mm -hmm. they thought and how they experienced it and I think that's also interesting it's not necessarily a present a historical presentation of like this is what happened but it's this is how they experienced it it, as a company together um so it's really interesting that and I think they're um what's what's kind of what what is kind of like a good thing on their part is they do a good job of presenting interactions as timeless if that makes sense like you can you can sort of like picture any number of the conversations that they have happening at any point in time it's it doesn't feel like it's always stuck in this one time period like it yeah and they're like regular guys having a chat <laughs> it's not all about you know oh we're in the 1940s let's say something 1940-ish you know it's like we're, we're just mates we're having it we're trying to have a nice time and that is like one really good thing they do but um I think I think what it does and it was the point of it they wanted to do right by the men that were still alive it's um they made them sort of these they made not that they weren't heroic 
but they really did use that word quite a bit. Um, as I think all of at least American society does about World War II veterans specifically is they're all heroes. Um, they all did incredible things. And that is very much amplified in this show and it's used quite a bit. Um, yeah, there's very much a, um, you know, it, in history and in retelling it, there's a very much narrative of the winners that, you know, because mm-hmm. the Americans, they're the heroes, you know, e- even in, you know, I- England, we don't necessarily say, oh, well, the Brits, they were the heroes, like you, because you've got America pumping that through, you know, their narrative history. But you're like, every man who fought was doing it because they believed in the cause and they believed it was, you know, what was right or what, you know, what should be. And they were still giving their lives. They're all, you know, in their own way, heroes. And each individual man may have done, you know, terrible, terrible things. But there is this hero narrative in America for American soldiers. And, this show does continue it rather than saying, well, actually, like all people, these men were flawed and mm-hmm. were they heroes? Let's, you know, have a look at them. And half of the time they're doing things. We, we're seeing them do things that aren't heroic or necessarily even right. Like, you know, you've got them massacring prisoners of war and all, all sorts of things. Yeah. So like it's interesting how they, yeah, but they have their like standalone characters who perhaps sort of represent each thing and you only really have I think Winters who's supposed to be portrayed as the man the Mm. hero he's the one that they all respect they all love and adore and he's the only one that you know could do no wrong and uh, that's like the main thing of it and he was the guy who led them which meant that what they were doing was heroic and just and yeah, he was he was unquestionable in his authority, which mm-hmm. is a good quality to have in a leader. But I think when you start impressing upon these sort of um, your your own mind standards, and you're saying like he fits them all to a T, it's a lot of projection because you don't necessarily know who he is as a person, like. Like I'm, and I'm not saying they, they obviously all knew each other very, very well. They knew each other better than probably anyone for the rest of their lives would know because they were in such an intense situation, but I don't think it's fair for people who, you know, and this is just American culture again, calling people of that, calling men of that era heroes, um, sort of projecting all of these things onto a man you don't know, you do not necessarily know this man but it makes you feel like you do Mm, again we're seeing it through the company's experience of him that you know in the interviews beforehand they're saying how much of a hero he was how much they respected him how much they adored him and in the show you see that and how they he gains certain people's respects or you know Mm. how he everyone just like you know loves him and pays attention to him and really do trust him and and follow him into battle you know and so we're seeing him through their eyes like he was the guy he was the man and it's why you know just from a narrative standpoint he is so effective as a main character that we're meant to follow all the way through the trials and tribulations of this war is because he's also unshakable like we see him get shaken and we see him question certain things, but he never really questions why they're doing it. He seems mm. pretty stalwart. He's brave. And when you are watching that show and he's your main character, you kind of put yourself with him. 
anything. Yeah. If I was in that situation, I could be as brave and as good as he was. And that's where we get into the trickiness of, you know, how the show then has been used as effectively propaganda in the States, yeah. especially, you know, in the wake of 9-11. I know, you know, there were people in my family that watched the show and enlisted because they watched the show. I think the show did have, I think, no, I I think 9-11 was a huge catalyst for this show and the perception that it would have had pre 9-11 versus 9-11 happening two days after it, after it aired and the rest of the show being viewed through that lens of, we need this sort of like very American story of heroism right now as a, as a culture, as a society. Which I think is so curious because they definitely didn't, go in and tinker with the show when it was airing. I don't believe they did that whatsoever. But Tom Hanks, I think, spoke a little bit about this on the Band of Brothers podcast that just came out and about how the show was used immediately in the wake of 9-11 and some of the things that he agreed with and some of the things that he didn't agree with. And it's a very interesting conversation. I recommend it. But the show has been used in a way that is other to its initial intent. Yeah, it's like a way of boosting patriotism. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. before 9-11, you know, it's a show that's just being made about real men in a war and what you could argue is the last just war that America was really involved in and the one that everyone the majority of the population supported going to like whereas with Korea and Vietnam there's loads and loads of protests about it but with World War II that was you know seen as a just cause to go to war and so to have a story about that that was a you know that was America at its like greatest in its Mm. foreign policy and it really showed how important they were as a nation and to have that. And then in the wake of 9-11, you know, America has just, I think, had the first attack on American soil ever by a foreign power, like, because Pearl Harbor, that was in Hawaii. It wasn't on mainland America, essentially. Yeah, yeah it was mainland America. Yeah. yeah so you could say it's the first American mainland attack. America, for the first time, possibly sees its vulnerabilities and then you've got this show that shows you actually no america's great america we're strong we're you know it it just it it boosts the patriotism of the nation you two can be dick winters yeah Yeah. and it goes up you know yeah war is bad but they're all heroes all of these men are heroes and Mm -hmm. and, they're respected and in this time where maybe you know that you don't feel respected or you know you don't feel like men were what they used to be sort of thing which is a way of like earning respect and protecting your country against the very real threat that you've just witnessed or the whole world has just witnessed because I don't think that they went in and made the show in 99 and 2000 with an agenda I, I fully believe that the writers and the showrunners, no agenda with this whatsoever. This was a book that had become popular and they're like, Tom Hanks was riding the Saving Private Ryan wave. So he was like, let's do something with that. Let's sort of work in this time period. But um, I, I have a friend actually at, at my job who was, he's 37 now, he's 38 now. So he was like, he was in high school at the time um, when it happened. And he said that like, it was terrifying to like, so he watched like the show as it happened. And like when 9-11 happened, there was 
such a fear and like watching the show alleviated some fear for him and his friends like they felt comforted by it almost in a way Mm. um and so I and so I think that really comes to like the point that I want to make where like people people don't want to view this as any part of it maybe being flawed fallible yeah flawed fallible they don't want to view it as that because this was such like a beacon of hope or at least things would things would get better one day yeah and and no one wants to think of you know this time in history as being flawed like America they were the hero they were the one coming in to save the day is the narrative that is pushed you know um not necessarily over here and in Europe but in America, that's the narrative that's that for true. Americans. That's like really important to have this reminder of heroism. And no one wants to see a film of, you know, American heroes being, you know, terrible. Like you, you have like Apocalypse Now like with yeah. the Vietnam soldiers. You've got them being terrible people. Everyone's terrible in these like war films in like Korea and Vietnam. But in World War II, the main, you know, uh, image that is pumped out is of heroism and how great they were and how incredible they were and how brave they were and so to criticize this is to criticize that um you know perspective of americans being and it's also very much not wanting to not wanting to disrespect your elders so like the like so like the so like the generation that this was like that like this was sort of made by the generation that was like the kids of of the world war ii vets they don't want to disrespect their parents like this was made by sort of like that era of people who looked up to their dads and their uncles and their like you You grew up in the house with these memories did you grew up in these houses and so you too have a very um you sort of you you hero worship you grow mm-hmm. up with a sense of hero worship for this era and this war specifically. Yeah, it's like, you know, these are people who have done something in, like it's so incredible and so horrific in their experience. Like, no, you know, they're like, you know, the greatest generation. No one will yeah. ever be able to compare. And there's like a phenomenon where like everybody who was signing up for like the Korean War were doing so because mm-hmm. their fathers had you know fought in world war ii and and to go to war was seen as like a rite of passage for men to become a man to become to get to gain these masculine skills and abilities and affects going to war rite of passage and so to not have that in further generations where the war that you're going to may not necessarily be as heroic and as great as the one that your parents were at and that's like again it's coming into the last just fight that america was involved in that was the greatest set of men to go to war and so to to diss them to disrespect them korea was maybe even close enough that it was probably like brothers and cousins yeah you could say like younger brothers cousins but there were like you know boys who were like 11 at the start of the war and then by the time korea came around they were like of age they were old enough to see their father go Mm -hmm. off to war understand what it was and then when it came to their turn wanted to also fulfill that role for, like to be to be proud to be made to be respected to be made proud of to go through that rite of passage as a man sort of thing and I think to be it, a hero 
it's here like, and, and then the same with Vietnam like it's a, it's a re- like a history but as each time it goes along the wars become more and more controversial and less mm-hmm. respected well I mean not like if you go to war obviously very respectful but like the cause itself I think it's also like a like an adulation of society at that time too like people are very nostalgic for this like 1940 sort of rosy um view of like the your interactions in society so like people also very much romanticize that um they romanticize that era and you're gonna want to preserve that in media and you're you're gonna you're gonna embellish that's gonna be embellished and that's gonna be like really heavily um it's gonna it's gonna be brought on heavy and I think that's part of it too yeah is interesting however we are going to criticize it so yes i society um we uh i think we live in a society and we always oh my god we live in a society um i didn't know but i think that this show in particular because i haven't really seen it with any other including the pacific is this show specifically has a lot of conflation between actors and characters people still watch this and will be like they think when they think of and and they've admitted this in like podcasts like when when people think of doc Rowe, they think of shane taylor like that's like the image that they have in their in their mind so they think that the people that played them they weren't just shitty 20 something year old dudes. I'm not saying they were shitty, but they weren't these like 20 something year old shitheads. They were these men in the 1940s. Like I see a lot of that happening as well. Mm. Well, that's also due to the fact that no offense to these actors, they haven't exactly had a more high profile acting job since. They're, that yeah. is their most high profile role. You know what I mean? It's their most high profile role. And at least some of them do make themselves available in such yeah. a way that if you choose exactly. it's not that difficult to have an interaction with them it's like this was such a big gig it's like no matter what he does Daniel Radcliffe will always be Harry Potter and mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson will always be Edward Cullen to me so it's like these are their biggest like quite big roles like obviously people like you know um Ron Livingston and um oh my god Damian Lewis mm-hmm. have obviously like they've sort of moved past it but yeah. a lot of these, the younger ones. They're, kind, they're stuck in time in such a curious way. And, yeah. And it, and it, and it goes to show the, the fact that who is doing the reunions and who is doing the meet and greets, you know? And I think it's like, I think what Damien Lewis showed up to one of the reunions at someone's house and I feel like that was like throwing a bone because they even said in like the post interviews you know Damien didn't have to come but he did it's like that sort of thing but like people I think now with this sort of resurgence of fandom and like creating an actual fandom culture around it and not just like people um in the world who are fans like there's I think there's a very specific distinction people now are like the like the actors are now leaning more into that um association Mm. like um you have Matthew Leach who is doing his whole like zoom Mm. 
event podcast situation. Not to invoke him. (laughs) Not to to invoke him, but he is doing his his thing with that. And he is having people sort of revisit this and making it more accessible for people to think of them like that. Yeah, it's just reaffirming, isn't it? Reestablish, you know. Yeah, reestablishing that connection with um, that part in their lives. Because, like, a few of them, like, have moved past it and they haven't really interacted with it, even if they were smaller. Um, And, like, they've done, you know, good things in their career um, outside of it. And, you know, that's great for them. Like you have Philip Barantini, who is now nominated for a BAFTA for directing and writing a film. You don't want to talk about a violent man. I'm sorry. You don't want to talk about how good a violent man was. How bad a violent man was. <laughs> how how we watched it. We watched it. We definitely watched it. We did. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. We we experienced that movie. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the people who have sort of cut the cord with that show versus the people who haven't. I think what's actually really interesting is, um, Ian Bailey and his anti-war-ness that goes on on his Instagram and, and during the meetups as well. And I say, you know, like yeah. it, was, it was a great part that I hate. While more. wearing his father's jacket. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like yeah, good for you. War is bad. I love that for you. And but it's it's really funny that it's like yeah, yeah, I played this character, and you know, I still go and do things with it. But don't it makes me really sad that people have watched it and then joined up. Like that's not yeah. what the message was. Which is true. That's not what the message that, is. Not that going, is it. Go yeah. join the army now in two thousand and five. It's yeah, yeah, forties. The world that, has changed. That's not an untrue, I feel like. That's not a bad feeling to hold about it. Like, cause I feel like some people are obviously like they, they interact with like service people and, you know, good on them for um, having those interactions and holding the knowledge that when some kid comes up and is like, you're the reason I joined up living with that. Cause I don't know if I could. Yeah. Yeah, I think that must be quite heavy to have someone, yeah. especially if you don't agree with, you know, the war at all, and to have people come up to you because of your character and because of the show that you were in. I have joined up, I've enlisted. You go, well, that's not why we did it. That's not why. And, I, and, and that's, that's just an unfortunate. It, it was a consequence. In opinion, yeah, in my opinion, it's an unfortunate consequence of that, is that because of its timing with 9-11, it just added to the whole well, thing. And I, think, and I think also because a lot of them haven't, come out aside from Ian they haven't come out with strong stances on um war or the military either way so they kind of take silence as agreement like you say that but also having your opinion like it it depends on like what kind of platform you have like a lot like yeah you know that it's not like they've got millions of followers but also you know to have an opinion is to really put yourself on a side and then to face consequences of that and then just being silent is just to not say anything and these guys have careers at the end of the day you know they're in the public eye you know to whatever degree and I but this is like such like um and this is such a massive project 
and it's it's never not going to be a massive project it's always going to be a feat of um filmmaking they're always going to be a part of it and so they're always going to be associated with those sentiments mm -hmm. that people now hold because of mm -hmm. it yeah like they're always going to sort of unless i'm like like you said unless they publicly distance themselves from it in a big way by saying i don't support the modern military mm. they're going to have to live with that association that the show was created yeah and i don't think this i think it's i don't think it's the fault of the show itself for creating that i do think that is completely the doing of what america was like at the time yeah it's like the cultural and political zeitgeist like that's just what the yeah. atmosphere was and that is just a a, a consequence of it yeah. and you know, back then you know with eon bailey who plays webster <laughs> i know we don't say who they play <laughs> who plays webster <laughs> and so it is interesting actually that his his character is quite anti-war sort of mm -hmm. and then him to come out you know 20 years later and be like well listen like it actually hurts <laughs> that you guys joined up because of this yeah. it is interesting like it's a consequence that is bound to happen with anything because with you know you with fandom and just people who watch the show what they take away from it is just completely out of your control unless you explicitly say this is what the message is and even then people don't want to hear it if they don't agree yeah it's interesting because it's even a consequence within the show itself like you know you have characters that struggle with their own concept of war like Webster and Nixon oh, yeah, absolutely. and they're interpreted in very different ways by the fandom and by the show itself I think it's such an interesting the way these characters are portrayed and I you know I don't want to say I don't know if it's deliberate or not but part of me thinks it is just because of the reactions you get you know I think we've got like a couple of key characters who represent different types of attitudes you know you've got Winters who is the war hero and you've got Nixon who's sort of like he's involved but he's sort of apathetic to the whole thing he doesn't like it but he's mm. still you know quite high up in the ranks and he does get himself demoted doesn't he or something or other he does eventually yeah you're like yeah well I guess good for him you know he, he obviously doesn't like it it's not what fuels him like Winters and you've got Spears who uses it as an opportunity to be like a war criminal and yeah. do what he wants steal and you know he probably you know what given a chance he it, he probably would have been one of the people going around raping you know you just don't know because he was stealing killing yeah. all sorts of things and then you've got Webster who you sort of think I think he's like you know the front for the person who was not gung-ho for it and to an extent anti-war because mm -hmm. he sees the futility of it and he sees the misery behind it and he gets his own episode you know talking about it and and his the fact that he's not so excited you know not into it like everybody else and they don't he doesn't have the same attitude as them he's sort of ostracized he's like well you know what are you doing here then you're you're educated which is another reason they sort of all like turn against him because they're just like regular guys where well webster's education ostracizes him from the other guys whereas yeah. we see the same thing with nicks where they're similarly educated, similarly apathetic about their situation. But, you know, we see people talking about Webster even in reviews of the time. And they're like, he's whiny. He, I don't get why he's here. What's the deal? And then we see yeah. Nick having like this deep, dark night of the soul in episode nine. And people are like, well, that's understandable because of everything that he's seen. Yeah, I guess it's, it's different because we see 
Nixon has a friendship with Winters. And so you're mm-hmm. like, oh, he's redeemable immediately because Winters is the hero and he's his friend. But also you see it because the way it affects him is more like, yes, that was like a real experience. Whereas mm-hmm. Webster is in in um, contrast seen as like lazy and cowardice and like a, like a coward like he doesn't want to go on the patrol and whatever and he doesn't want to do things if he doesn't have to because he doesn't want to get killed and he stays longer in the hospital and he doesn't escape from the hospital like other people did and you're like well yeah duh of course he did that like you know if you weren't into if you didn't if you didn't want you know, <laughs> to didn't want to be there if you didn't want to be there, if you didn't want to die, you know, you did it because you thought it was a just cause, but you, you know, you're going to keep yourself safe. So yeah, if someone, if I don't have to go on a patrol, someone else can, you don't need two translators. Mm. Um, someone else can do it if they're more keen to do it. Um, yeah. I'm going to stay in the hospital and relax because the sooner I finish my treatment or whatever, the sooner I've got to go back to the front lines and that ostracizes him because they're like, well, you know, you're clearly not, you know, um, that's not hero behavior. That's not hero behavior. And he's ostracized for that, not just in the TV show, but in the fandom as well. Like it's Mm -hmm. well known that people hate Webster in the fandom because they think, oh, he's annoying and he's this and he's that. And it's like, well, is it because of that? Or is it because he's not so like involved and gung-ho and really excited to be there? Or like not excited, but willing to participate and willing Mm -hmm. to, you know, do these things. And, you know, you see all the other men, you know, they have war weariness but that's not held against them like it is um, Webster. The, the, and this this is just like an observation, but I think that the sympathy and the acceptability of someone's weakness towards someone's weakness is in direct correlation to their proximity to Winters. Like the, like Nick's, like, like you said, like the, 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 the the comparison between Nix and uh, Webster both going through it with like their feelings towards the war are night and day because Nixon is close to winners and so he's allowed to like think the stuff he's higher up but Webster is doing all this stuff and I think everyone else sort of falls somewhere in the middle like like um, Lipton kind of goes through it a little bit like mentally um, but he's mentally tough and he's close to winners so it's okay. Um, Buck is allowed to experience with uh, weakness because he's closer to winners and it's okay. It is okay. But at the same time, you're also, I think, meant to feel really like almost embarrassed by Buck and his behavior, you know, like the way he like breaks down and, and the boy, the, the men like in the company think so as well. They like are so confused by how he's behaving. And you, like, even though it's like a, a completely like, acceptable response to what's going on it's almost betrayed in a way that's almost like embarrassing just like you know pull yourself together everyone else can deal with it and he's there breaking down mentally and having to be shuttled off somewhere and it's almost like you know they kind of don't display it as how respectable how his character was so respected and yet they're all kind of like you know not supportive of him or not almost not understanding no one faulted him for it but also no one really got it yeah exactly and it's like the same with um oh who are we talking about now lipton or uh i can't i can't remember who i was gonna say but it's just oh oh um like with webster it's, it's almost like um the loss of masculinity, like the loss of masculine attributes, being brave, being Mm -hmm. uh, heroic, being strong, being unemotional, 
by having these qualities or losing these qualities, like with Buck, he's no longer emotionally strong. He's, you know, not brave. He's, you know, unwell, mentally unwell because mm-hmm. of the stress he's been put under. But it's almost seen as like a, it's a weakness. And, and you know, Webster's not pro-war and he's not, you know, brave. And he does, you know, yeah. he does want to get out of things and they all hate him for it. And it's the farther away you get from being a hero, the way that the other characters are, the farther away yeah. from the audience you well, get. And, and, I, hate it. and, and Sobel, uh, what also cements his dislike is that the mm. fact that he turns out to be a coward. He turns out to yeah. not actually want to jump out of these planes and he's not a good leader and things. And, and the good leader, yeah, and his behavior, whatever. But the cowardice thing also cements in your mind, oh, yeah, well, he's, he's rubbish. He's terrible. Like, of course they hate him. And yeah. it's... Sort of the same thing with the other characters that are ostracized is that they are losing what makes them in the audience's mind a good soldier they are not a good soldier therefore they are a bad person and mm-hmm. we should hate they're them. not worthy of the they're almost not worthy of the admiration anymore yeah but also yeah just like they're not worthy then if they're you know if you're not heroic and you're not taking it on the chin like a man then it's, it's embarrassing it's pathetic and we hate you sort of thing like mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah when really it's just completely like of course there were people like this but the the way that they're written and the way that the characters turn against them it just enforces in your mind that that behavior is not correct and in war that's not what you should be like and as a man you should not be like that that is like the behavior that it the the, the thought patterns that it enforces by writing yeah. these characters like this it's interesting that we've gotten this far in this conversation and we haven't talked about life oh yeah, yeah. of course yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's five because he gets a lot. I, I guess on the fandom side of things, a lot of condemnation. It's like, well, if you were this much of a coward, why did you enlist at all? Which yeah, is, exactly. He has one of like I think like the earliest like classic redemption arcs, where like he's like a coward. He's a coward. He's a coward. He loses his vision because he's so scared, yeah. <laughs> and then. And then he volunteers for one, um, he, he, he takes part in a battle fully one time, gets his piece of Edelweiss, and then pays for it because he gets pinked in the neck. Yeah. The second he tries to step into his power, in a sense, he's immediately punished for it. Yeah, but it's like, it, it shows him as being redeemed, but also says that he died. Yes, because <laughs> you've killed someone and you've mm-hmm. shot. Now you've done your duty as a soldier. You can be respected. But that but was it, very much like, I think, the early, uh, the early operation mindset of like, you need to get like as many KDs on the board so you can be considered... A good valuable part of this company mm-hmm. well, I think it's more of the fact that you know because not, not all of them have purple hearts or whatever uh, you know not all of them were you know volunteering for things in fact a lot of them hated the fact that they were being put on patrols and whatever yeah. but it's the attitude to which you know they take the whole thing you know like uh, it, it, there's a difference between being you know being a good soldier and being actively avoidant and you know purposefully not doing things that you know everyone expects you to do he Mm. goes through he goes through a like a very quick metamorphosis of being actively avoidant to reluctantly available i think is a good way to put it he is um he's able to do things and again the one time he volunteers 
it ends badly for him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like the whole thing is like, you know, he's obviously so badly affected by his fear that he, you know, because what are you scared of? Dying. Yeah. (laughs) Being shot and killed. And as soon as he, you know, he doesn't even get over it, but he just has to put himself forward to possibly gain respect or get get some credibility back because everyone sees him as a coward, as embarrassing. (laughs) you're embarrassing us i know i keep saying embarrassing but like they're seen as a cat they're seen as a thing like that's how embarrassing you're, back. you're embarrassing yourself get out of that foxhole and get fucking shot at you know the whole, the whole <laughs> and it's sort of like spears telling him there's no point in being scared you're already dead you're dead already you're not you're not leaving this continent um in one piece you're not leaving this continent period um, but I think it's actually put better. It's actually put better in the Pacific. And I think I said this the first time around, but it's put better in the Pacific when Akak said, a man who isn't scared is dead or a liar. Like mm. everyone's scared, but like people, you, you're, you don't want to show it because you don't want to appear weak. Well, yeah. Akak is more like Dick Winters in that sense, where he is a good oh, leader, but he's also incredibly emotionally available to his men in a certain way. Versus yeah. the character we're getting it from a band of brothers is a guy who we just saw kill upwards of 20 prisoners of war. Yeah. Oh, love it. Yeah. Well, he's obviously supposed to be the one that's a bit unhinged, you know, but I, they all, this is what I was saying for like entertainment value, each man, each person that gets like their own episode or their own voiceover, mm. or they're a, representative of something Blythe is obviously you know the person who is terrified like a lot of men were and you you know you have that guy who is a tipper I can't remember who stabs tab because he's so terrified Mm. just on the lookout constantly and will just attack before he even realizes you've got each person represents something that to create entertainment but also to create a cast so you know you've got your you've got your cynic you've got you know your war hero your anti-war hero you've got your apathetic person who doesn't care you've got your fucking war criminal you've got someone who's scared you've got someone who's from brooklyn you've got someone who's from philly you've got got a air quotes jewish person you've got the united colors of benetton yeah you've got italian americans you've got someone who comes from the country someone who comes from you know the south and is a bit like people you know think he's a hick you know you've got your big guy you've got your little guy you know you've got different characters that you expect to see in a cast about you know war because if every man was the same which you know there probably were people in everyone's different but in a company you know you're more likely to have people who are you know similar or whatever but it's to have that cast that's like oh well he's this kind of person and he's that one and he's mm-hmm. a delicate flower and this one is brave and this one's the jokester you've got you know you've got your comedic yeah. relief in Luz and you have to have your breakfast club type eat yeah exactly and oh they've all had hard lives or this one's educated this one's not and this one you know can do this with a gun I'm the relatable one yeah I'm relatable and I've got a wife this one you know it's like this one didn't leave his little swamp house until he was 10 years old like yeah this is yeah this is the first time any of them have left their state you know this is there's all different types of characters that represent something mm. because it's got to be, a, be interesting. And that's how you get the amalgamation of characters smushed together from real men smushed together because, yeah. but it's, well, this it, guy was something. Blah, blah, blah. But the whole, the whole crux of it is um, it's, it's a show. 
and it is based in reality, but at the end of the day, it's a universe created by writers. Yeah, you, it's, it's a creation. It's a TV show. You've got people who you want to root for. You know, Jones comes in and he's an underdog and you really want him to do well and then you never see him again. And he's there just to represent the experience of the, you know, the, um, yeah, and, oh my God, what are they called? The lieutenants? What? No, no, the, the ones who, replacements. He's like, there to just represent yeah. an experience of a replacement coming into a mm. already well-established company. You know, and that's what he represents and each of like you know webster's there to represent like a more mm, not sophisticated view of it but a more Thoughtful. like and a, i just think more like a more like well let's go into this not saying that we're amazing and the war is incredible and it's really fun let's go into this and look at it a bit more real mm-hmm. i think it was done in a way that i think watching it 20 years removed from its its release um and society's had 20 years with it, but it's interesting to watch it now and see that it's not really a monolith. And I guess maybe watching it through the initial lens, you probably got like this monolithic view of the war, but it's not. It is a very complex story of different people and their lives interconnecting and forever being bonded and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, um, through osmosis it's kind of become something different yeah it's it's gone through i think a huge metamorphosis and not just like the 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 its place in our culture but also its place in our like viewership fandom that's what i mean it's it's gone through a huge metamorphosis even from like just like looking at content created for it in like 2013 to now it's gone through huge changes i know it's insane that people are still making the same jokes of how it's perceived it is oh like you would think after so many years you would find a new joke it's been bled to death that 10 episodes can only get you so much content you know Mm -hmm. you either have to die or watch the pacific yeah well exactly but it, yeah, it is interesting that people come up with almost the same interpretations of, of characters and things or or like mm-hmm. a fandom created interpretation of characters. Like uh, there's like a really common thing of like Babe being like infantilized and being treated as a child and he's, yes. you know, the idiot. Where, and then you you get used, so used to that interpretation. You go back to watching, you're like, hang on, like he's yeah. not like this at all. Where did you even yeah. get this from? You know, it, it's so mm-hmm. interesting how like, you know, the show itself had intentions of showing different types of experiences of war through different types of, you know, um, approaches. And, um, but, but mainly with the hero storyline through line, and then you come onto like the internet just to get more content or see what other people thought about it. And then there's somehow this almost cohesive, completely different idea of the show on the Mm -hmm. internet. Yeah. That it just doesn't match almost doesn't match it's almost a completely different show with different characters because they've had to yeah. take what little fabric there was there in the show and then create build that character to something that they like and at what they want yeah and mm-hmm. i think that's how these characters get twisted yeah something that's world. easier to write and easier to interpret which yeah. i think is where you get the characterization of we've got as being this like aggressive angry 
24-7 asshole. Which I, I'm sure Ross McCall loves. But, and, and, but yeah, it is. It's like he's this and, and Spears is like this and Lipton is like this and they boil them down to like one thing. Like, oh, Nixon's an alcoholic who loves dogs. And it's like, okay. Uh, it's like, it's like calling like, it's like quite literally when people describe Lipton as being like a mom, like he's a mm. mom for them. Like yeah. this is a this is a grown man. This you look at Donnie Wahlberg in the eyes and tell him that he is a mom. I don't want to look Donnie Wahlberg anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just but, saying, it's like it's yeah, like, no, no, no. It is it is really interesting how it is created. And um, I and I would I I don't want to know. I, I'm not going to say I want them to know how they are viewed and I want their reaction to it, but I just think it would be interesting what they would say their intentions were with the characters versus mm. how the characters are perceived. Yeah, it would be really interesting for them to know how their characters have been interpreted and then for them to, you know, think, well, that, that's not what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it would be really opinion. interesting to see what they thought as to what has been. I didn't even know the camera was on me when I made that face. I guess that's my character now. Yeah, it's like going back to saying, like, I didn't even, you know, come into this fandom and seen the pairings that existed. I was like, how did you even get there? I didn't see that. And I was watching the same show as you, but I'm not seeing it through that lens, I guess. I'm not seeing it through the same eyes as you. And that I think is like a fandom would. That I think is like, like what you're saying, like pairings. I think it's into a whole other uh, thing that, we will i think get into in the next one um and once again i would just like to thank rachel for your extremely astute commentary <laughs> and test you the same back at you babe. <laughs> and um we will talk again have a great one amen bye